chaos on KO35. Following the events of Lost Galaxy, Carone finds herself back on her own planet, retreating to better reconcile her past as a villain astronomer. However, the Psycho Green Ranger has different plans for her, planning to use her to fully reunite the family of thrice-resurrected Psycho Rangers. Can Carone escape, or does she have different plans up her sleeve? Our intrepid hosts over at Ranger's Plane get to the bottom of the case. I'm Caron's instant overtone, Ashley. And I'm Trek's awful greasy hair, Jay. And this is Ranger Splain, a podcast where pa- the Power Rangers expert, Jay, takes me, Power Rangers neophyte, Ashley, through the entirety of the franchise. And today, we're revisiting the Boom Studios comic with the one-off spinoff, Power Rangers The Psychopath. So, following the events of Lost Galaxy, Corone gets kidnapped by the newly resurrected Psycho Rangers while she's on retreat on KO-35. Andros goes to search for her, fearing for her safety, and also her moral well-being. But Corone has a plan not just to save herself, but the Psycho Rangers as well. Uh, this comic was actually written by uh, Paul Allor. Allor? Uh, let me know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. With the art by Giuseppe Cafaro with colors by Marcelo Costa and letters by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, the trade also came with a story called Psychotic, which was specifically about the Psycho Green Ranger, and that was written by Trey Moore, with art by French Carlo Mag- Magno. I definitely mangled that, I do apologize. And letters by Ed Dukeshire as well. Uh, one of the things I think, because I started texting you, because uh, this story just was so heavy emotionally for me, I'm still trying to process it even at the time of recording, mm-hmm. uh, was I was starting to talk to you of, not only did we talk about the nature versus nurture aspect from its Space Comes Back, but you also see um, restorative justice versus punitive justice from basically uh, expanding from nature versus nurture. Right. So it does kind of take those concepts that were introduced in, um, in In Space and kind of expands upon them further. What's especially interesting about this is that Andros and Caron never really get on the same page throughout the course of the comic. Yeah. Like, they have a whole discussion at the end, uh, which was especially interesting because kind of, like, despite the fact that, like, he never really gave up on Caron and Lost Galaxy... Like, always believe, like, he he was a little bit of, like, kind of treated oh, her, like, a little bit of, uh, yes, in space. Um, <laughs> the space seasons run together. Yeah, they all, they all bleed together. Um, but, yeah, I think they talk about a little bit within space, and, you know, in, in space, like, Andros kind of uh, treats her a little bit like a Darth Vader, where it's like, there's still good in her, I know it, like, you know, somehow she was always inherently good. And yeah. therefore, that needs to be saved. But like, as we, he's he probably falls a little bit in line with like with with Zordon's space racism, as it were. Yeah. And just like 
well, the Psycho Rangers were evil, so therefore they are inherent, like, they will always be evil and they cannot be saved. Yeah, and it really kind of, um, it was something we talked about, uh, um, I was thinking about with Lost Galaxy, and how Power Rangers, because it is written so dumbed down and oftentimes very, like, centrist Mm neoliberal in terms of its political flavor, it can't really deal with heavy topics. Whereas the comics tend to, like, really go into these topics a bit better. And this one really does with, like, well, what makes these monsters monsters? Right. And the psychopath really dove into that of, like, how, you know, oh, what's his name? Trek? Yeah, Trek. Brony Frenzoni? Yeah, yeah, uh, Trek. Was, he kind of, he was a former ranger. Right. And he was on the side of good, and because he felt like he was being sidelined all the time and everything, he turned against his his people mm-hmm. and killed them. So it's like, no, you had a good guy turn evil, as well as, like, the psycho rangers who kind of were all just scooped up and given powers. Like, okay, they started evil, but they're slowly turning good. Right. And, like, that's even the thing is that it's established in the comic. Because they kind of, they didn't really talk about it that much in, like, the TV show. but And they probably didn't even think that far ahead in the TV show, let's be real. Yeah. Like, it's established in the comic that the Psycho Rangers were kind of just kidnapped by Astronema and her whole team, I guess. And were sort of imprinted, had their minds wiped and were just imprinted with, like, the Psycho Ranger powers and stuff. So, like, even then, like, could you even say that they're inherently bad because we don't really know who they were? Hell, Astronema, Corone, barely remembers who they are before that. Yeah. So... Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it definitely gets more into... Though the, into the meat of that situation, especially through like Nokria, who's the uh, psycho paint, yeah, oh, uh, who ends up playing a central role in Lost Galaxy in terms of like what happens with Kendricks and you know, kind of all of that moving forward. So, I think they, they really took that opportunity of having sort of just this character that had who did something very horrendous, especially compared to the other psycho rangers kind of like made her the central focus of Corone's experiment as it were yeah because especially because like the the context of why they just did that all was psycho pink of like oh well we we need to write off Kendrick's really quickly because Valerie has leukemia so let's just get psycho pink in there and kind of just you know do a quick hand jive inside and get her off the show yeah whereas here I think they really do take that next step to really kind of explore like well, it, can somebody who does something like that really be redeemed? And I guess I can, that's a good leeway in the characters and also a good leeway into how Carone's writing changed. Yeah, so uh, with Carone, because Carone is basically the central character of this comic, there is a little bit of Andros, but he's kind of just, you know, off being sad boy Andros, is that for her, it really kind of gets into her guilt of like her as astronomer. And also, like, they stop acting like Astronema and Corone are two different people, which I really appreciated. Yeah, and uh, that that was, like, the main like the main thing that kind of stuck with me, too, is, like, Corone's like, no, I did horrendous acts. Like, even more horrendous than Psycho Pink. Like, she's killed multiple people, probably committed genocide, 
You know, she's mm-hmm. been a very horrendous person. Right. And she's she's trying to come to terms with the fact that she was like that. And now yeah. she's different. Yeah, because Lost Galaxy only does this for, like, an episode. And, like, they just, they like, the whole episode with the Battleizer where it's just, like, Carone has to go on this emotional journey of everything she's done to people. And, well, one, that emotional journey gets solved in one episode. But two, Leo gets all the stuff she did from her all of her hard work. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, so, but, yeah, because Power Rangers sometimes just treats that stuff as, like, okay, this person needs to have, like, an emotional, like, catharsis or at least an emotional uh, realization well, we're just going to do it in one episode, and then we're not going to worry about it for the rest of, of the series. Yeah. I think Tommy got a couple of episodes like that, but they were kind of disjointed from each other. And it's, it wasn't until Dino Thunder he really starts to, like, reflect mm-hmm. on having become a ranger through evil and stuff like that. Right. And his PTSD and stuff. But, you know, that's later. Yeah, so, but yeah, like I said, I just, I really appreciated that, like, because that was something that bothered me throughout of all of In Space and Lost Galaxy was that they try to keep acting like, oh, you know, that's Astronema. She's totally different from Corone. Like, Corone would never do this, but Astronema would do this. And I'm always just like, they're the same person. They are absolutely the same person. Corone is just wearing a bad wig. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I can get it. Like, she has, like, a different, like, name and like, personality and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, Darth Vader is still Anakin Skywalker. Like... Exactly. Anakin still did all of those things. Like, you can't just say, oh, it was Darth Vader who killed all the younglings. It was Darth Vader who, like, you know, killed the... Re- like, killed all those rebels on, like, the spy ship... Uh, on the spy ship trying to get the plans for the Death Star. Any number of crimes that, like, Darth Vader has done. Like, at the end of the day... Anakin still did all of that, too. Like, because Anakin is Darth Vader. So why is it that, like, the series just keeps insisting that Corone and Astronema are two completely separate people? I did not get it. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the late 90s, early 2000s treatment of children shows. Right. 90s and 2000s treatment of children shows in America was often really dumbing down and simplifying things. Right. It wasn't until the 20-teens and, and beyond we got stuff like Adventure Time, Steven Universe, and all that, and a bunch of other shows that really kind of tackled issues for children. Right. About the only thing that really tackled issues that was a children's show was Sesame Street. Right. And still continues to do so till this day. And yeah, Power Rangers, like solution for tackling issues is ha- take usually takes the very uh 90s diversity squad ter- um way of doing it or, or just kind of i just felt like it was it's always been like very centrist and how how a lot of democrats come off right i don't mean to just say democrats are bad i think some are good people it's just like how oftentimes they come off as like Oh, we're trying to be morally good, but we don't support Medicaid for all. Like, okay, why? Yeah, and, like, so much of, like, Power Rangers especially does kind of come across as, oh, well, you know, we don't believe in, like, we don't support racism or anything like that. Like, we're an integrated team. 
when like you know a lot of that integration is just you have somebody on the team that is you know not white but you never really talk about you know what that means Mm -hmm. or like show kind of struggles that they may have in like you know school or just you know living out in the world or whatever which you know not saying that every like you know, ev- not every children's show needs to have a very special episode about police violence. I'm not saying that. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that like, you know, it, they, 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 it just kind of comes across as like, what is it that um, Darnell from Uncanny said? It's like, sometimes it just feels like they go, here you go. We have a black person. We're good. Or, oh, we have a woman. We're good. Like th- how he actually put it is, we have a gay. We're good. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the same concept of like, yeah, you have like, you know, in the, within Space Rangers, you have TJ, you have Carlos, you have Cassie, but you still have a very white writing staff behind the scenes. Yeah. So. And that's, um, let's get back on track a little bit, but that's a good kind of divergence on kind of an issue that is with Power Rangers as opposed to like the comics, which is a... It tends to be a tad more people working on the comic mm-hmm. than just whatever old white person is writing the children's show. Yeah. I will say that I, I like I love what Boom's been doing. I do kind of wish there was a little bit more diversity with the Power Rangers team. Yeah. But they they have had good uh, so far with like they had Marguerite Bennett, right? Uh the arc with the um the, the Solar Rangers. And uh, Cena Grace did co-writing on GoGo on GoGo Power Rangers, and, and at least in terms of writing staff, I know that they've had a lot of different um, a lot of different people on the art. Um, all of them, I'm not aware of their race or nationality, so I'm not gonna like speculate on that. But I do hope that in the future that they would bring more diverse voices in terms of writing to the table. Yeah. Uh, that's not to discount anything that like Ryan Parrott or, uh, any of the other writers have done. I'm just saying that's something I wish for the future. Yeah. And that's not even discounting the writing on, in this comic, because this comic is really good, you guys. Yeah, no. Just pointing out, that's something I'd like to see. Um, but yeah, getting back on track, um, something I also liked about, like, uh, stopping the separation between Corone and Astronema is that, like, I love the subtle detail of, like, her, of Corone's hair changes color when, uh, whenever she get, taps into her Astronema powers. Yeah, that was, it, it, it was something that I think only a comic can pull off and not a toku show, because a toku show... You know, they just put on a bad wig. Or it would just be a very bad hair effect, like, from Inhumans. Yeah. Of just, like... Because basically what it does is that she... Like, it changes, like, immediately and then kind of slowly fades from purple to blonde... Back to blonde. Yeah. And that is something that does look better in a comic. Because I'm sure, like, if they tried to do that in the TV show, it would either just be... As you said, several bad wigs trying to get an ombre effect or... um. Or just a very bad 3D effect of, like, her hair just kind of fizzling back to blonde. I can almost imagine it. Like, it's this is, like, bad composite shot. <laughs> just this bad composite shot from the wig to, the, like, her natural hair. Yeah, I don't even think Hasbro has the budget to make that look good. And I'm imagining it with, like, old, like, 90s technology, too. It's just like, oh my god. But uh, one of the things, and we've talked about this a lot, is she finds the psychos redeemable, and I think it ties into, like, her guilt 
mm-hmm. knowing she was astronomer, and she and she just went and and what's interesting about the psychopath is it's just like when it was announced, people were like, okay, oh cool, I think about the Psycho Rangers, and then you read it and you're like, oh my god, this is about like restoring people, right, to society essentially. And I know it was mixed bag. I think a lot of people don't understand the fact that Power Rangers can be more than just kind of black and white. Right. I'm like, this was a really, like I said, it's like, the fact that she took time to befriend them, especially uh, uh, Nokria. Mm -hmm. Like, she took time to really befriend Nokria and everything, and some of their dialogue was just so powerful. Like I said, like, I I ended up, like, nearly crying at the end of that book. Yeah, and... We'll kind of just move the discussion now on to No Korea herself. Uh, so she often in this book kind of gets treat, uh, shown as like kind of a parallel to Corone mm-hmm. and kind of the story with her own darkness and being brought back from it. And a lot of this is brought on by her getting injured fairly early on in the book. Yeah. Because I, I think the way they establish it is that they're still connected with those data cards from the end, like basically the, their last appearance on In Space. Yeah. So basically it's a whole thing of like if they get injured, they can just, you know destroy like basically their human bodies get destroyed and they go back to the data card and they can just re be re-downloaded and you know good as new it's not to mention battlestar galactica for a second podcast in a row or probably it's been third podcast in a row at this point i think i think it's been several podcasts because that is that is uh just to note, Ashley, when she was a teenager to young adult, Battlestar Galactica was a big part of her life. Yeah. Uh, it is one of the few TV shows that me and my dad both enjoy. Um, so it's a very it's a very much a, a common sticking point with us. I have met several of the cast members from BSG, including Edward James Olmos and Mary McDonnell. Um, it is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And so when I reference Battlestar Galactica, it's kind of, it's the way a lot of people will reference Trek or Star Wars. It is, it is a very central part of my life. So yeah, they, they, they do kind of get a little bit of the Cylon treatment of like, oh, well, if they mess up, they, we can always just re-download them and try again. Yeah. So the fact that like, Corone kind of encourages her to kind of just rest and let herself heal is kind of like the starting path of uh, of them kind of realizing it's like well you know we don't have to take that like what the route that is being given to us by trek we can just um be yeah and i think it's a slow realization and they're still going through that towards the end of the comic yeah and i think especially kind of making her kind of the more central of the psychos was an interesting move because again we kind of talk about like we talked earlier about how she's sort of treated as like the ultimate evil one because she straight up killed Kendricks. She killed a power ranger. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like the Rangers don't really want to give her any sort of benefit of the doubt, which, you know, kind of understandable. Yeah. The fact that Corone is willing to like talk to her and really get to her. And she's the first one Corone really gets to. I think that really brings the point that they're trying to make home. Yeah. It's just showing that even somebody who does something like that, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that the world has to give up on them or Corone has to give up on them. She was also the first to choose her name. And yeah, 
I'm going to go into this as someone who did choose my own name. Right. Is it's a big a part of your identity search, particularly, well, I can't vouch for Nokria because she was nameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can vouch for the fact that it takes a lot of soul searching to figure out what your right name is, what's good. Uh, there are even people that change their name even though they've changed it before. Right. Mine comes from the fact that family is a very important thing to me and always has been. And I kind of liked my birth name. So I kind of did a masculine version of my birth name and chose my grandfather's name as my middle name. Right. But there's some people who are like, you know what, this this is, you know, of the alignment chart of like trans people and how they choose their names. It's like... The chaotic evil version is, I went with a character I really liked. <laughs> you know, it, it's all sorts of things. Like, how how you choose your name is a very important part of your identity. And the fact that Nokria was nameless, and a lot of the psychos were nameless for a long period of time, and had no name also just kind of meant that Trek kind of treated them like disposable soldiers. Like, you don't have a name, you have a number. Right. Or really a color. Yeah. And by giving them a name really kind of, I don't want to say humanize them, especially since Nokria is definitely an alien. Right. But it definitely makes them a living being as opposed to a color destination. Right. And the fact that they choose their own names, that gives them some of their autonomy back. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of what Corone is trying to do through the comic is is kind of hammer it into the heads of the psychos is that they have autonomy they have free will they can do whatever they want they can act like a like they can act like a true family Mm -hmm. and the fact that she encourages them to pick their own names is a big part of that yeah you know instead of just being like okay you're not it's like you're just pink you're just blue you're just red whatever yeah. I guess moving on to the next ranger she kind of gets through to is um, Virgil, a.k.a. Psycho Red. Well, it's kind of interesting because uh, he was, and he always has been kind of the, like, Gryffindor, I'm going to, you know, go through my plan even if it kills me, even in the series. And, you know, he's shown to be extremely impatient and everything uh, and just revenge-driven. Mm-hmm. And then Caron, uh, I just remember that one bit where he was just basically like, no, I'm going to keep charging the rangers. I'm going to keep fighting until I die. Whatever, I'll just get resurrected, basically. And Caron's like, stand down. Mm-hmm. Retreat. Everyone's injured. It, there's no shame in retreating. Yeah. Which I, I, I remember that that specific part of them retreating was like a little bit weird to um, Axe, who's Psycho Blue, and we'll talk about him in a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think he specifically at that point goes like, weird day, very weird day. Because <laughs> it's like he's just not used to that. So a big part of like Virgil's um, journey is that he he does want to, like he's, he, he's very driven on the mission and mm-hmm. like, even by the end of the book, he's still a little unsure of kind of what to do next. Yeah. Which I think they all are. Because uh, basically, uh, towards the end of the book, they all get told, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to restart you guys. You're just going to go back out into the world as is. I I believe in you. You can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, since he, he's kind of the de facto leader of the team after that, he's kind of just like, well... 
I guess we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Watch some Westerns. We'll get into that. Yeah, but I think there, it does come from a place of clearly wanting to be better than, like, what they have been in the past. Yeah. Um, which, oh, by the way, like, since Psycho, I think it was Psycho Red, Psycho Black, and Psycho Yellow showed up in the TV series, I do love the fact that, um, Giuseppe does try to replicate the, the, the Rangers from the TV show as best as he can in the art. Yeah. Meaning that, like, um, Psycho Black has, um, that weird, kind of still has the weird blonde afro going on. Yeah. So, you know what? <laughs> cool. I, I just like that aspect of the comic. It was nice. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, uh, um, uh, going into, um, uh, again with the Psychos, um, uh, is Psycho Blue, who was, who chose the name Axe. You know, total barbarian. Yeah. And, like, the funny thing is, is that they never specifically, like, put on the panel that he said, like, he doesn't say, oh, my name is Axe. But you can figure it out from context clues. Yeah. Uh, because, like, towards the end, he is literally, like, polishing an axe. I, I love comics. They're ridiculous. I use, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. And they're all cowards. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's, like, as you noted, he's a total barbarian type. Like, he's the, he's the type that kind of runs into battle first and asks questions later. Uh, if he asks questions at all. Mm-hmm. You can tell he definitely cares about the other Psycho Rangers. Like, he definitely buys into the whole, like, we're a family, we we look out for each other. Uh, but he is kind of mostly on the fence about Corone for a good chunk of the book. Yeah. Not to say that he necessarily distrusts her or anything. It's just sort of, like, he's just sort of like, hmm, I don't know yet, guys. Yeah. Uh, Photon's our next Psycho. He is Psycho Black, and... Like you mentioned, he looks most like the original actor. Uh, he really kind of got the shaft in this, and I understand it's very hard to write an ensemble. Yeah, so if like we kind of gloss over like Axe and Photon, it's just sort of because they kind of got the least amount to work with in the book. Yeah. Because the book is only, like, the actual story of the psychopath is probably only about 80 pages or so. Yeah. So it's not super long. I, I get it. You kind of have to decide who your kind of focal characters are. And it sort of just came down to like Corone, uh, Trek slash Psycho Green, uh, Nokria and kind of Virgil, um, and Andros, obviously Andros. Yeah. And everybody else kind of just kind of took a back seat, which, you know, hopefully maybe we'll see more of the Psycho Rangers down the line, or maybe there's already been Psycho Ranger stories in the comics. I'm not 100% certain about that. I'm sure somebody's already typing out a tweet listening to this, and go like, uh, actually, they showed up in issue number blah, 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 blah. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I, I, like, dropped out of reading the comics a while ago, and there's so much to do, and it's like, that's reading those comics has been a back burner thing and so yeah we will get to it it's just gonna be a little bit it's not gonna be until after we cover ninja steel so yeah if you guys can stick with us for that long we will cover it eventually like we are looking we are looking forward to covering shattered grid necessary evil uh all that fun stuff and we are gonna cover these one-off comics as well uh, continuing forward so like we should be covering the new um time force book later this year yeah i can't wait for that 
so moving forward back on track uh so the other kind of character she doesn't quite get the shaft but we have yellow aka psycho yellow who she's just sort of the a secondary antagonist in the sense that she's like Trek's right hand. Yeah. And she still stays with the Rangers. Uh, like she still stays with the psychos when they, you know, go blasting off into space to figure out what they want to do next. Uh, but she never really comes around on Corona, and she never, and she's the only one that doesn't pick a name. Like by the end of the book, she's still yellow. And that just might be by her own, and that's by her own volition as well. Like, she actively decides that she's not going to make that choice. And, you know, that's, um, that still kind of proves Caron's point, I guess. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the nature of free will is also being like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say that she took the blue pill or anything like that. Um, which is why I would love to see more of, like, this in the future is, like, does she eventually make that choice? Or does she just decide that, no, I'm just going to be evil and separate myself from the other psycho rangers kind of what i loved about her in the moments you did see her besides her kind of being like the the even keeled uh she's definitely more even keeled than trek kind of besides being the even killed second uh second in command she definitely is fine with fighting she loves to fight and like there's even a bit where i believe it's um she's going against tj actually i'm gonna double check that real quick i have a comic open okay Oh, yeah, it is TJ. So there's the scene in the comic where she's fighting TJ. He's like, yellow against blue. I thought you liked to battle your doppelgeis. And she goes, we like to win, whatever it takes. Well, she just punches him right in the stomach. So, you know, I think that just, that speaks to her character very much. Is She's like, I'm not going to wait to fight, like, Ashley. I'm just going to fight you. I'll fight anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess that brings us to kind of our main antagonist, who is, as we've been calling him, his name is Trek, a.k.a. Psycho Green, a.k.a. Supersonic Green. Uh, what did you say about him? <laughs> he was a brony friend zony, which is something I took from Tumblr a long time ago. Yeah, so Trek's whole thing is that he was a supersonic ranger from, uh, Siberia, um, and eventually he turned on his team, got them all killed, and turned over to Dark Spectre. And it was all because it's like, you guys aren't using me, and also the girl won't, won't bone me. Yeah, uh, I think her name was Star. Um, she had a great look, but not a main character, so we we're not gonna spend too much time on her. Yeah, and like, his whole thing is that he's like, so psycho green is the only psycho ranger not made by Corone, um but he's like obsessed with her and wanting to bring her back to complete the family because like like he still considers her a sister because they were both like formed by dark specter and it's a whole thing and it's very weird but he takes a lot of l's <laughs> throughout his life so many l's um uh, because like Shortly after he gets turned into Psycho Green by Dark Spectre, he crash lands on the moon trying to find Rita Repulsa and get the Dragon Power Coin. Uh, and then he manages to dig his way out uh, while he's trying to find the um, find the dumpster mm-hmm. and uh, gets defeated by the Ranger team from 1969. They thought he was dead, but he buried himself in the moon again. And then he digs himself out from the moon. 
and then goes in like resurrects the psycho rangers uh goes to find Carone, tries to kidnap her but she goes willingly but that's not that's besides the point and then kind of just gets ultimately undermined and held prisoner on his own ship and is just basically just kind of like i'm gonna call you by your names while i kill you and i'm like eh, they're probably gonna kill you first so yeah he sucks if you can't tell we we had no respect for this character yeah he just little brony frenzoni bitch yeah, that's that's really all you can say. It informs so much of his entire deal. Uh, the Siberians are a psychic race. They actually show up first in Time Force mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, like, series canon, in terms of just show, uh, because Trip is uh, Siberian. Right. And he can see into the future. He can kind of read minds. There's actually an episode where he has to, like, basically learn to turn on, like, how to, like, learn to turn off his psy- psy- uh, psychic powers because he, like, everyone else in the group is weirded out by it. And it's like, hey, you shouldn't just read minds of people and shit. Right. And, like, that's, like, kind of a central thing in, this, in the psychotic story is that, um, is that Ace, I believe is the name of that, of the, like, the red supersonic ranger, mm-hmm. is that he can see the future and basically Trek kind of, messes with his sense like with his like future sense our future vision as it's called on steven universe and it ends up getting the team killed so yeah he, he like fucking winner 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 chicken dinner right here yeah so which takes us to our kind of final main character in the story i should note that the other space rangers do show up and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit but um our main character that we see from the Space Rangers is Andros. And basically the Andros side plot in this book is that he's trying to find Corone because uh, he knows that she's been taken, quote, quote, by the Psycho Rangers. I think, like, if I remember right, he does hear that she went with them willingly. So he's kind of worried that she's gone back to the dark side. Yeah. And is just trying to rescue her again. And, um, yeah, he's kind of a dick here. Yeah, he's such paladin lawful good. Yeah, like, it starts with, like, he's having an emotional moan about hearing about Corone going to the psychos. And, like, Ashley tries to comfort him and say, you know, oh, we're gonna face this together. We're Power Rangers. And he's like, no, I have to do this alone. I'm Batman. Like, I can't involve you guys with this. I have to do it alone. Alone! I'm Andros. It's like, wow, we we basically, like, neuter, like, I guess it's maybe along the lines, Andros kind of still has these sticky points of just, like, I have to do my, my pain alone. I'm sure that the rest of the team would love to help you take on the Psycho Rangers. And at one point, they do fight the Psycho Rangers. But, like, him just being, like, no, if Corone's gone evil again, I have to take care of it. It's like, y'all handled this before in in space. You could do it again, but... Yeah. Um, I, I know, ultimately, it's supposed to drive the plot to kind of have the main conflict at the end between Andros and Corone. Not that they have like a they not like they have like a physical fight or anything, but it, it it ultimately comes down to this argument. And by the end, they're still not cool. I should note. Yeah. Ultimately, even though like is that once he realized that Astronema is Corone, 
is Astronema, is Corone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, like, he still kind of does the whole Darth Vader thing of like, oh, I know he's still good in her. I know that she's not evil, blah, 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 blah. But it's here, he doesn't seem to extend that courtesy to anybody else. Yeah, it's kind of, it reminds me of, uh, oh, what's her name? Ask a Mortician. Caitlin Doherty. Yeah, when she would talk about, on her videos about cannibalism, of survival cannibalism, mm-hmm. and she she talked about this quote that was basically like, how it happens, it's normally like, you go with family first, then friends and acquaintance, you know, of who you choose to, like, survive. Yeah, it's a, it was, she, she mentioned, is a quote from her Donner Party video, and she brings it up again in uh, her video about the Essex, um, that inspired, the, basically the whaling voyage that expired Moby Dick. Um, she talked about it a little bit, and I, I remember, I can't remember who said the quote, and we'll just put it in the show notes, uh, but basically it went in terms of, like, when it comes to cannibalism, it's like, uh, cattle before horses, horses before pets, Pets before strangers, strangers before acquaintances, acquaintances before friends, friends before family, and, you know. And I think, I forgot how exactly it ended, but in, that's the idea. Yeah. Is that you're you're more willing to, pro- in those situations, you're more willing to protect your family first before anybody else. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, it's not cannibalism, but I think that's where Andros is coming from. It's also something that kind of comes up in Mass Effect of a quote that's often misattributed to Ashley being racist, but she's actually quoting about the council being like, you sick your dog on a bear, you love your dog, but you're sick your dog on a bear in order to save yourself. And and it was about how the council just basically will look at, and how it looks at non-council races. It's like, well, we'll sick a bear in order to save our skins. Right. Or sick a dog, rather. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, it's like, Andros is, of course, like, attached to his sister. But the psychos, he's not attached to. In fact, they were enemies at one point. Yeah, and, like, the whole thing is that he even, like, kind of tries to guilt Corone about, uh, specifically Psycho Pink. is just, like, you know, bringing up Kendricks. It's like, she killed Kendricks. Like, she can't be trusted. And sort of, so he kind of just ultimately takes this route of, the psychos are evil. They've always been evil. They like to tell us that they're evil. Because even in the comic, they do the whole, like, we're, we're smarter than you, we're faster than you, we're stronger than you, and we're evil. Which is tagged with, don't tell our mother. Which, that that just actually made me yeah. laugh out loud. But, yeah, so Andros just, just kind of just ultimately dismisses them outright without even seeing any of the work Corone's done. Um, it doesn't even seem to really trust her. Yeah. Um, fully is just because like she even tells them is like I want to save them the way that you saved me and he's still just like but they're evil there's never going to change and I, despite the fact he's looking at the prime example of somebody who changed yeah and I think this goes back to Zordon's teachings boy w- starting Ranger's plane I didn't think we would just shit on Zordon but Boy, is he a complicated figure. All our problems come back to Zordon. <laughs> yeah, is Zordon was very punitive in justice. It was just like, we gotta kill Rita Repulsa, or stop Rita Repulsa. We gotta do this, we gotta do that. People are born evil. Yeah. There's no restorative justice, which is a lot harder to talk about, because it's like, how do you talk about somebody that hurt you so bad? 
Yeah. And that's a conversation going on right now at the time of this recording. Yeah. But in terms of, like, we won't unpack all that. Yeah. But we'll unpack with Power Rangers and the fact that, like, Zordon's very punitive. Yeah. He's a space cop. Let's go into the... Let, let's just let's just say it. Yeah. And Andros kind of took those che- teachings to heart. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It, uh, and I almost, like, look at this and I'll look what's going on in, in probably comics canon and I go... But Zordon's wave really necessary. Yeah, because, like, the weird thing about, like, as we talked about this at length in, in, in our In Space episode, is, like, Zordon's wave purified all of the humanoids. So, you know, you, Divatox got saved, Rita got saved, Zed got saved, you know, ultimately Corone was saved by Andrus's tears. God, dumb. But... All of the non-humanoid creatures are just wiped out. They don't get redeemed. They don't, like, get hit with the wave and kind of just come out of a daze and go, Oh, what happened? Like, huh, I'm suddenly feeling less evil or less mean. Like, it would have been cheesy as hell, Power Rangers-wise. But, you know, they, they don't get saved. Ultimately, the message is like, well, they were monsters, so therefore they're terrible. Like, even though we've had a couple of episodes where monsters are shown as good. Including when Goldar and Rita lose their memories of being evil and are shown to be inherently good people. Yeah, and like... They're just dumb dumb monster himbos. Yeah, they're, they're dumb monsters and they're shown to have people that care about them, even if the people that care about them are Bulk and Skull. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just so weird. And, like, especially, like, it kind of, like, this comic does bring more into context of, like, huh, that was really kind of a shitty decision on Zordon's part, wasn't it? Yeah. God. Well, like I said, it's like, I didn't start Ranger's Plane to be like, fuck Zordon, that space cop bastard. Because I liked Zordon, and then we've, like, really analyzed this stuff, and we're like, wow, Zordon's a space cop bastard. Yeah, like... At some point, we'll stop bitching about Zordon, especially as we move on past the Zordon era. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, like, my God. Because I think I'll I'll just forever get stuck on the whole, like, I never meant to deprive you of a normal life. And it's like, "Mm, but you still pick teenagers to fight your intergalactic space war, so good job there, buddy. All because your adults didn't work out. I'm like, okay, well, how do you explain these seasons past your death when you have young adults? But back to the point, Andros really bought into Zordon. Yeah. And how there's a nature to evil instead of like, well, you can restore someone. Right. And... You know, that that's, again, it's like, this is a heavy topic to really talk about. And, you know, we're not people really equipped to, to, to know about, like, to really go into it. Uh, maybe Ashley more than me, because I'm just learning about restorative justice. I am too, but I will say a good place to kind of start on that. And this will be like talking about real life restorative justice, not fictional restorative justice in the world of Power Rangers. Uh, but there's an episode of Chris Hayes' podcast, and he should he, I think he re-uploaded it recently, where he talks to Maryam Kaba, mm-hmm. who is kind of the face of, like, um, prison reform and prison abolition in the United States. And she definitely gets more into kind of the interview with, um, with Chris about what restorative justice uh, 
should, can, and could look like uh, in terms of our current U.S. Uh, justice system. Yeah. So highly recommend seeking that podcast out. It's about an hour. It's a good place if you're wanting to understand basically what reformative justice and abolition does versus just defunding or moving people around to different departments, as it were. But yeah, Idros kind of just bought into Zordon shit. And because he did, he just doesn't see the psychos as redeemable. Which is unfortunate. Um, maybe he'll have he'll turn over a new leaf sometime in the comics, but I'm not seeing that happening anytime soon. All right. Let's uh, start getting to our odds and ends with the other space rangers. They do show up. They don't really impact the plot too much. But we want to note about TJ's abs. Yeah, so... Uh, the time you do see TJ, uh, he's, it's very briefly, one, one panel doesn't even show his face while he's talking, uh, but most of the time you see TJ, he's in his reindeer suit, and man, oh man, did Giuseppe make sure to meticulously draw his abs. (laughs) Yeah, so this is not just shirt in a can, this is reindeer suit in a can, it is just, it is hanging on for dear life. (laughs) Oh my god, TJ. Him and his abs. Bless it. Bless it so much. Prayer hands by by TJ's abs. (laughs) We always gush about the artwork in Boom. Boom always gets really good artists to do the Power Ranger Mm -hmm. comics. Like, I I have yet to read a Power Ranger comic where the artwork was just, did not draw me in. I, I will say, though, for me personally, I did kind of prefer the art um, by uh, French on Psychotic, uh, especially his colors. Oh, yeah. I, I think it kind of he did a very good job of kind of getting that otherworldly feel, especially on Siberia and all of that. Something that we also really liked about this comic was sort of they used the framing device of uh, Corone kind of teaching them life lessons through... That uh, they were watching a Western, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of a generic Western on TV. But she uses that to kind of teach them about working together and family, which I really like that. Like, I really love that kind of, it's a little bit of a trope, but I really love that trope. Yeah. And it also just shows that Corone really likes Westerns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I only mention it as a trope because, like, that comes up in, um, in Logan. Yeah. Uh, about like the whole talk about Shane um, and all of that, and like the at the end of the movie, uh, which spoiler alert for Logan if you haven't seen it, but at the end Logan dies, and I, I, I kind of figured even though I haven't seen it, like oh he dies, that's why everyone is sad. Yeah, I mean it was Hugh Jackman's last movie as Wolverine. What did you expect? But yeah, so he so Logan dies at the end, and like. And they had to have this whole talk about um, Westerns and the movie Shane. And and so the the speech that X-23 or um, Laura, Laura, I don't know why I spaced on Laura's name. She's my favorite Wolverine uh, and favorite of all of Wolverine's terrible children. Um, (laughs) But Laura specifically quotes um Shane at the end and um kind of as his as the eulogy and it's like there's no more guns in the valley is what she kind of goes back to because now that Logan is passed on and like 
he's kind of was their last defender, mm-hmm. um, kind of protecting them from the government who's wanting to continue experimenting on them. And so I kind of just love Carone showing them that, like, you you may be, like, you may not be, like, a family in the typical sense, but you're working together towards a common goal. And that's, a, that's often a thing in Westerns and often a g- carried-on trope through Westerns. And um, even... Even sometimes in samurai films, which took, you know, Westerns took a lot from, uh, is coming together to move towards a common goal. Whether that's bettering yourself or protecting your village from bandits. Yeah. Uh, If you want a good kind of, like, quick rundown of that trope, the, uh, the Mandalorian episode of Sanctuary is basically a whole riff on Seven Samurai. So I, I highly recommend that. And I know there's an... I, I, we'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But there's also, like, an episode of Clone Wars that's also a riff on Seven Samurai that kind of gets across that point perfectly as well. Um, so, yeah, our kind of, our verdict on this, ultimately, is we really recommend this book. Um, especially if you want more of kind of Corone's arc and story explored. Yeah. The first time I read, I, I read it, I was just so emotional, and I've talked about this. I nearly cried. The story is so good and on par with the other stories told in the comic. Uh, the psycho, the psychos weren't actually my favorite thing of Power Rangers. I always dread going to the Psycho Ranger bits when I'm watching Power Rangers in space. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of fillerish. It's just kind of there to pad time, as much as people love it. Right, but. I was really engaged, and I kind of actually fell in love with these characters. Yeah, um, yeah, I was kind of there too. And like, Corona is such an interesting character in the scope of Power Rangers, and I love this story for truly digging into what it means to be good and how you can change. Uh, even for a short story, it really gets into the meat of that struggle, and. I just really dig that. And like, and as, and kind of writing off of what Jay said, it made me like actually invested in the psycho rangers. What the hell? Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, we are at the end of our episode here. So once again, we want to thank, uh, Kate Nix for her amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning and end of every episode. Um, so you can find her on Twitter at I am Kate Nix. Uh, as well as katenix.com, where you can uh, have links to her Bandcamp, her merch, and her streaming. Uh, she is back to doing the Lullaby Lounge. It is now on Tuesdays, I believe at 8 o'clock. Um, I think Adventures in Fairy and Fairydelphia is still on a break. Um, I would have to double check with her on that. Um, but yeah, so her new way of doing the Lullaby Lounge is that she's on for seven weeks of singing, and then it's five weeks off of kind of just doing random stuff on the stream. But She's still out there streaming, uh, and she's back to doing the Lullaby Lounge. Um, and then, uh, as always, uh, Joe Hunter for our amazing art that you see whenever you download it, uh, wherever you download podcasts. Uh, so you can find him at uh, joehunter.threadless.com and on Instagram at joebloodyhunter, uh, joe underscore hunter on both Twitter and Patreon. Uh, he also does a comic called Beast Heart Strikers with Land Pitts. You can find that on Patreon. Uh, I know he's working on something else right now, but he's not saying what it is. So uh, hopefully we should be seeing more from him soon. Um, obviously, Kurt Yoder for our uh, editing our podcast as well. Uh, he has lots of Pokemon to sell. I'm actually looking at a few of the Pokemon Perlers that both him and Jay did for me. 
uh, on my desk right now as we're recording this. So you can find him at the Great SG Creations, or is it just Great SG Creations? I think it's the. Okay. Well, either case, you can find him on Twitter at the Great SG. Has links to his Etsy there. You go buy Pokemon from them, please. Please, we have some. It's it's just Great SG Creations, no D. But we have a lot to sell. Uh, yeah, please help us feed our cats because we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit. Yeah. Help them fix their cat, um, Joe specifically. Yes. <laughs> okay, and then our wrestler for the podcast is our good friend, Carrie Awful, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so he's getting back to helping get Crux kind of back on its feet during the pandemic. And we love him dearly, so uh, hopefully looking good out there. You can find him on Twitter at Carrie Awful. Uh, also under the Carnies at the Carnies TN, though that Twitter gets used a little bit less. And then, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Miss Kitty F. Um, I also have my Gumroad as well, which I believe is gumroad.com slash Ashley Leckwold. I also have a shop where I sell masks, uh, my zines, and various other things that I make. And I need to get my tarot readings listed up there as well. Um, and that is ashley-leckwold.square.site. Does not roll off the tongue, but uh, you can also find that at my pinned tweet on my profile on Twitter. So please buy masks for me. I still don't currently have a job. <laughs> they uh, they are really nice. Um uh... I have a couple of them. I'm gonna plan on buying more. Um, j- just to go and clarify, they are not medical grade. The only thing that can that's really medical grade is that goes against COVID is the what N95 mask. N95, and yeah, basically those are impossible to find, and the ones that we can find are typically going towards a uh, medical first responder. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it's, so, cover your fucking mouth still, it's better than nothing at all. Yep, yep, I, as the saying goes, my mask protects you, your mask protects me. I have made over 300 masks since about March or April, so I know what I'm doing at this point. Not to brag. <laughs> also, like, your top stitching is fine, like, I have one of her first masks, and now, and then I got one of her like newer ones, and it's just like, wow, your top stitching's amazing now because you've been doing this all the time. Yeah, over three hundred masks. This over is gonna be weird for people who like tune in to this show like after COVID. <laughs> yeah, and somebody's gonna listen to this like two years after COVID nineteen, and just being like, wow, does she still make masks? <laughs> the answer is maybe. I don't know. I have a lot of masks I need to sell. <laughs> All right. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at sins2, as in the numeral uh, the numeral 2, hell. And my Instagram is jjackets, as well as witchcraft in cats, uh, which is where you can find Joe, um, Coda, and Henry and Blackjack. And... Um, We've already mentioned our Etsy. Uh, please support us. The best, like, if you want some neat purlers, they're kind of a neat art form. And also, we we just get so behind on bills sometimes that we don't we can't just fix our cat, and we would love to be able to fix her. So please help us out on that by buying our stuff. I also have a Gumroad uh, JSS Rights eighty seven. 
All right. And then um, for us, for the podcast collectively, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Rangersplain. We do have a po- uh, Patreon for Rangersplain as well. If I have not uploaded a bunch of my own show notes to our Patreon by this point, by this episode coming out, please somebody yell at me to do that. Like, just publicly shame me. <laughs> I'll publicly shame you. I know you will. Uh, and then uh, you can also find us on WordPress at uh, rangersplain.wordpress.com that has all of our show notes and links to where you can find us on the internet. Um, and also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you could just please give us a rating and leave a review, we would really appreciate that. That helps us get uh, more out there. I don't know if you can rate on Spotify, but, you know, whatever you listen to, we still appreciate it. Yeah. And that's it for The Psychopath. We will be back next month. So remember, Black Lives Matter, wash your hands, wear a mask, and may the power protect you. Oh, what now? Hey, we have a package from Ninja where it says, Greetings, Ranger Splain! For the love of Torjay, do not use the Ninja voice. Okay. Greetings, Ranger Splain. I was cleaning out my attic at the Temple of Power and found something that you might enjoy. Love your best friend, Ninjor. Oh my god, what would Ninjor even think we enjoy? The best of Night Ranger? It's fucking Master Rider! Fuck! Master Rider. Master Rider.